Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel has announced it will be Ryan Tannehill who gets the start if Will Levis can't play. But who's playing quarterback for the Seahawks? We're going to talk about that on today's edition of the Locked on Titans podcast. Let's get it. You are Locked on Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It's a week 16. Wow, week 16. Crossover Thursday. I'm Tyler Rowland, Locked on Titans, here with Corbin Smith from Locked on Seahawks. Today's Crossover Thursday is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the code locked on NFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Corbin. I haven't talked to you in quite some time for one of these crossovers. I think the last game these two teams played was a was a late game thriller where Derrick Henry ran for a bunch of yards at the end of the game and they won. And these teams are certainly in different situations now. The Titans look entirely different. The Seahawks don't have Russell Wilson anymore. A lot of things have changed. So that kind of leads me into my my question. We don't know a lot about the Seahawks here on Locked On Titans. I'm sure Seahawks fans feel the same about the Titans. But the big question for the Seahawks is quarterback. Drew Locke got the win last week. Is he going to get, you know, a, another opportunity here to lead the team? Or do you think Geno Smith will be back in the saddle for the Seahawks? I think if Geno Smith is healthy enough to go, he is going to be the starter. Pete Carroll said on Monday night after the game that that was the case. And that's how it should be. I, I know that Geno Smith's gotten more criticism this year, but mm-hmm. he's had tougher circumstances to deal with. They've had a ton of injuries in the offensive line. I think that the offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, at times has been pretty iffy with his play calling and has put his quarterback in some tough spots. But Geno had his best game of the season and a loss to the Cowboys the last time that he was out on the field. And so he was starting to really fire on all cylinders with his receivers, with his tight ends. As great as Drew Locke played down the stretch in that game on Monday night, he still only threw for 208 yards. It was a productive game. He didn't have any turnovers, which is good. He was clean with the football. He's playing with confidence. The Seahawks, if they have to go with Drew Locke again this weekend, they should feel good about it because the way he's playing and, and the weapons he's got around him. But I anticipate with what Pete Carroll said, they were very close to playing Geno Smith on Monday night. They decided we're going to wait one more week. We're going to have him available if we absolutely have to have him, but we're right. going to roll with Drew Locke. We think we can win with him. That's what happened. I think with another week here, I think Geno Smith's got a very good chance to be under center for the Seahawks in Nashville. That would be that would be interesting because on the Titans side of things, it's all about who's going to play at quarterback this week. Will Levis got hurt at the end of the game. I don't think that Will Levis is going to play. This week, I just don't think that that's coming off a high ankle sprain. I know we saw Pat Mahomes kind of battle through one late last year. We see Trevor Lawrence battle through some stuff as well. But if you're the Titans and you're five and nine and you're eliminated from the playoffs and you have an offensive line that could be the worst in the NFL, it's definitely in the running. Why would you put Will Levis back out there when you know he's going to be less than 100% no matter what, even if he's able to play, quote unquote, He's still not going to be anywhere near 100%. And we saw Ryan Tannehill last year have this injury, sit out two weeks, 
come back, play a couple weeks, and then re-injure it, which ended his season three weeks early, coincidentally, and required tightrope surgery in the offseason. You don't want to put Will Levis through that in his second year offseason when he's finally going to take the reins as the quarterback for the entire offseason. You don't want to do that. So it doesn't make any sense to play Will Levis anyway, so I don't expect him to play. And it looks like, based on what Mike Vrabel said on Wednesday, it will be Ryan Tannehill who plays. Now, the conversation right now in the fan base is really, wait, why not play Malik Willis? The Titans really need to lose these games and get the best pick that they can. Malik Willis, maybe he's somebody who can be a backup in the future for cheap. Maybe they get incredibly unlikely lucky and he shows something and somebody wants to trade for him in the offseason. Either way, there's only benefits to playing Malik Willis unless you want to win. And Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback who who has the best chance to lead you to a win. And it looks like that's the direction Mike Vrabel is going to go. No surprise there, but that quarterback decision and just the entire quarterback situation has far and away been the biggest talking point for the Titans besides whether their first-round offensive guard is good enough or not, which is a silly conversation in my opinion. But it's just funny. Both these teams are, is Geno going to play? Is he going to be back? Who's going to play quarterback for the Titans? It's just funny. The uncertainty at quarterback is, is the big talking point. And that could be a little bit of a disadvantage for the Seahawks here because of them playing on Monday night. They're right. dealing with a shorter week of prep. And I don't care what Mike Vrabel says. We have seen coaches pivot and then make other decisions. I could right. easily see Malik Willis starting this game on yep. Sunday very easily. And Mike Vrabel has a history of doing that too. As you he know, does like to stuff. play that game. Yeah. He, he's one of those guys that really knows how to play the gamesmanship card. Mm-hmm. So I could easily see that happening. If I'm the Titans, if I'm Mike Vrabel, I agree with you. I think Malik Willis should be playing in this game because you're not going to the playoffs. If he puts some good film out there, you don't view him as your quarterback of the future, but maybe you right. could get a team to throw you a draft pick for him in the offseason. Or if he, if he plays really well, you know, you're in a situation, you have two good young quarterbacks in your roster, and that's not a right. bad situation to be in. Then you could get that offensive line cleaned up. But I look at it from Seattle's perspective. This is a defense that has been so up and down this year. Mm-hmm. They had two really bad drives against the Eagles on Monday night. And then the rest of the game, they yeah, were dominant. Right. The last four drives, they held the Eagles to 77 total yards. You just don't know what you're going to get. But it is fascinating that they played that well without Jamal Adams on the field. And there's been a lot of murmurs out of Seattle with him not being at the stadium after being deactivated. Right. He's been banged up all year. This is a defense that's been so inconsistent. And when you're dealing with different styles of quarterbacks, who's going to play? You know, you're prepping. Maybe Will Levis is going to go. Is Malik Willis going to go? Ryan Tannehill, you know him from playing against him a few years ago. He's the experienced veteran. But all three of these QBs have some different skill sets, different Mm -hmm. strengths. And so when you're trying to prepare for three guys that have different skill sets, that, that can be challenging. And with a shorter week, Uh, That's something that I think is a worthwhile storyline for the Seahawks going into this game. 100%. And with the Seahawks having to go across the country to Tennessee on that short week, uh, the Titans are a much better team at home, although they aren't quite as invincible at home as we've seen recently as maybe people thought they were at the beginning. So there's a lot of things that do go into the Titans' favor. And I think if Will Levis is unable to go, having a guy like Tannehill, who is that veteran who kind of views himself as the starter still in his mind, I think that that obviously gives a lot of advantages to the Titans. And it's funny because if I'm honest with you, I'd rather see the Titans lose this game and the Seahawks really need to win this game. So it'll be kind of interesting how things play out. But with that, 
comes the matchup conversation. What are we looking at here? What battles individually within this game are going to decide the outcome? We're going to dive into all that. And little spoiler alert here, both these teams need to focus on winning in the run game on both sides of the ball because it's absolutely critical for the Titans. And I've noticed something, a trend with the Seahawks as well that I think uh, proves that running the ball is very, very important for them as well. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. Before we get into it, though, I do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Look, the NFL season is nearing its close, but you can still get in on the action at FanDuel because as the weather gets colder, the offers at FanDuel stay hot. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of options. They have spreads, player props, over-unders. I would be taking the over and the player props on Kenny Walker this week, in my opinion. So just letting anyone listening know about that. So make sure that you visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action this NFL season. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, I'm Tyler Rowland here, host of Locked on Titans. Corbin Smith, host of Locked on Seahawks. Thank you for making Locked on Titans, Locked on Seahawks your first listen each and every day. Remember, Monday through Friday, content on your team on all apps and always for free. You're not going to beat that anywhere else. Make sure you get subscribed, stay subscribed. It's your team every day here on the Locked on Podcast Network. It is a crossover Thursday, week 16. Just talked about the big storylines, especially what's going on with the quarterback positions. Now we want to kind of drill in a little bit more, zoom in on some of the the matchups in this game that could make a big difference. Uh, Before we dive into that, though, do want to let you guys know that Locked on has started the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. It's Locked on Sports Today. It's here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts from Locked On, like me or like Corbin, plus national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Corbin, I teased it. And I'm going to dive right into it. The biggest matchup for me is the Tennessee Titans run defense, their front seven, against the run offense of the Seattle Seahawks. If you look at the Seattle Seahawks schedule, They've lost seven games. They are one in seven when they rush for less than 100 yards. To me, it's that simple. If the Seahawks run for more than 100 yards, they win. If it's less, they lose. The only game that they won where they ran for less than 100 yards was against the Lions in week two in overtime where they got three turnovers and beat the Lions three to nothing in the turnover battle, which is why they were able to do that. So after seeing Kenny Walker go for 100 yards, also on the flip side of that, after seeing the Titans give up 120 yards to Devin Singletary last week against a JV Houston Texans team that had incredible injuries all over the place, but on the offensive line and in the offensive backfield. 
If the Titans do not stop Kenny Walker in the rushing attack of the Seattle Seahawks, not only will they lose, they will get trounced. And with Jeffrey Simmons probably missing this, T.R. Tart, like Jamal Adams, a weird situation where Tart is not on the same page. They cut Tart last week. He's immediately claimed by the Houston Texans after they whooped the Titans. Talk about salt in the wound. So without Tart, one of the best run-stuffing nose tackles in the NFL who they just inexplicably cut in midseason, and Jeffrey Simmons, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, the Titans are relying on guys that they literally got off the street last week. We're talking about a Quentin Bohanna, uh, Keandre Coburn. I mean, Jaleel Johnson's been around, but they even cut him midseason and brought him back. TK McClendon. I mean, the Titans got gashed up the middle of their defense last week. And if they let the Seahawks do that, who are going to have a better roster and better team than the version of the Texans the Titans saw, it could get pretty ugly, even with all the advantages we talked about in the first segment. Yeah, it's been really frustrating all season, Tyler, with the Seahawks team because you look at what they've invested in their running backs, two second-round picks two years in a row, Ken Walker yeah. third and Zach Charbonnet, who are both very talented players. And right. you got to see both of them make some big plays against the Eagles on Monday night. But it seems like every time they've been able to get this run game rolling this year that Shane Waldron has kind of neglected it and started to sling the ball over the place. And right. that has not worked. And what I was encouraged by on Monday night against an Eagles defensive front that is much better than what the Titans are likely right. going to be bringing out in this game, especially right. without Jeffrey Simmons, who I think is one of the premier defensive tackles in the NFL. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to have Jeffrey Simmons out there, Seattle's offensive line they are as healthy as they have been all year. They should be licking their chops because guys like rookie Anthony Bradford, Evan Brown in the center position, Abraham Lucas back at right tackle. He's feeling right. good now. He's been back for a few weeks. Those guys were moving dudes on Monday night yes, against a were. really good Eagles defensive line. So if they can carry that over to this game, that should be a focal point for the Seahawks. Let's get that ground game going. I don't care who's taking the snaps. They should be handing off a lot to Ken Walker III and Zach Charbonnet to take advantage of a front seven that I think is one of the worst in the NFL, at least right now, the way that it's constructed with the injuries that the Titans are dealing with. Right. That should be an area that the Seahawks are able to take advantage of. Now, on the flip side, I know Derrick Henry has not had the blocking in front of him because the offensive right. line has struggled, but this is still Derrick Henry. And yep. guys like Quandre Diggs, they remember that game a few years ago at Lumen <laughs> Field where Derrick Henry – and they list him 245. I've stood next to the guy. He's 260, 270. He's a massive human being. <laughs> you see him next to offensive lineman. You're like, there's no way he's only 245. But right, anyway, right. you see him running away from Quandre Diggs, who's a pretty darn good athlete. Yes. They remember that. Bobby Wagner was still with the Seahawks at that point before he had his one-year hiatus with the Rams. So these guys have seen Derrick Henry. I want to see how the defensive line responds in this game on the road. I mean, Leonard Williams has been everything the Seahawks wanted him right. to be since they traded for him. He's been Great phenomenal. Player. He was outstanding on Monday night. If not for Julian Love's picks, he's probably the defensive player of the game for the Seahawks. He was very disruptive. Jaron Reed's had a resurgent season. Mario Edwards has given him some good snaps, a former Titan. Uh, he's had mm -hmm. some good snaps for the Seahawks this year. And they've got Draymond Jones as well. So I want to see that front line. I want to see Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks getting downhill. Can they bottle up Derrick Henry? Don't let him get a full head of steam. He's had a hard time doing that lately. Can the Seahawks keep that going? Because if the Titans, I don't care who their quarterback is, if they can get big Derrick Henry going, 
that is going to make this a much more difficult game for the Seahawks to win, especially if it's keeping their offense off the field. You're 100% right, and that's that's where the Titans have to hope that they can attack. You look at the last four games for the Seahawks in run defense, 169 yards allowed, 136 yards allowed, 173 yards allowed, 178 yards allowed. I mean, the Seahawks have allowed, I mean, 150, 160 yards per game over the last month on the ground. If the Titans can't get their run game going against them, they might as well fold it up and go home and take their ball and just, just quit because that there is no excuse at this point with the way the Seahawks have been playing run defense for the Titans not to be able to get things going. And I think the thing about Seattle's front, uh, Corbin, the, the Seahawks just are a confusing team to me because they're better than their stats. It's like I'm doing my research and I'm like, man, those numbers are bad. Like their defense is bottom 10 and everything. And I'm like, man, I swear Seattle is a better team than this. But the stats are the stats, and they are what they are, and the Titans should be able to have run success. It's going to be a lot different than a top eight, top ten run defense that the Titans faced in the Houston Texans. And I think the thing is, the Seahawks have really good pass rush talent, really good pass rush talent, maybe not the same run stuffing talent. But what it comes down to for me is the Titans' offensive line isn't good enough to bully anybody, even a bad run defense. I, I don't think that they're fully capable of that at this stage. So I think that the Seahawks, while looking incredibly vulnerable, they still have pieces like Leonard Williams. Fun fact about Leonard Williams, I wanted the Titans to draft him instead of Marcus Mariota uh, way back when, before I ever did a podcast. So every time his name's brought up, I always think about what could have been there. But yeah, I, I think it would all come down to the Titans offensive line. Can they take advantage in a matchup where they should be able to take advantage, where everybody else is ruthlessly taking advantage? If they can't do that, I mean, teams are losing to Seattle while running the ball on them like that. So if the Titans can't run the ball, they just really have no chance to win. And it's interesting because you have thrown those numbers out, but I will also point this out, Tyler. Those four games for the Seahawks, two of them were against San Francisco, who's, to me, right. got the best rushing offense in the entire right. NFL. I agree. Dallas, who's got yeah. arguably the best offensive line in the NFL, at least one of the top three, in my opinion. And Philadelphia, who's got an outstanding offensive line and a great running quarterback so uh, that would be my pushback a little bit on that I think this run defense has been a lot better than last year but they've also had a gauntlet that they have gone through now to get to these final three games and mm -hmm. maybe they're going to come out sitting pretty here because they're going to be playing in games that they are expected to win but that can be a dangerous thing as far as an area that I think the Seahawks can absolutely exploit this team though with with the Titans having injuries in the secondary, they yes. traded away Kevin Byard at midseason. DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, they've got to be licking their lips going into Absolutely. this game, especially with the injuries up front with the pass rush not being there for the Titans. You want to run the football, but you want to do it to get that play-action game open and see if you can take some of those shots. I feel like against this injured, undermanned Titans secondary that this is another matchup that really favors Seattle's offense. You're 100% right, and honestly, Corbin, even if the Titans were 100% healthy in the secondary, I think everything you just said would still be 100% true because other than Roger McCreary and Amani Hooker, McCreary is their slot cornerback, second-year guy out of Auburn, and Amani Hooker, their, their veteran safety, nobody else out there is, is somebody who you can count on. So Jackson Smith and Jigba may not be the biggest game if the Titans play a lot of man because Roger McCreary is very good. But if the Titans play man, DK Metcalf is going to shred. Tyler Lockett is incredible against zone, so it doesn't really matter what the Titans do there. He should have a good day. I agree with you. That's a big advantage. And uh, 
whether it be running the ball against the front. We talked about whether it be throwing the ball. The Seahawks should be able to uh, do pretty well. If they put up 20 against the Eagles defense, it could be it could be a very good day. But with that being said, we're going to put our predictive hats on here, maybe talk about the things that are going to sway this game one way or another. Before we get into it, though, do want to let you guys know that today's Crossover Thursday is brought to you by DoorDash. Guys, DoorDash always delivers. And I mean that figuratively and literally, of course. Whether it be meals, whether it be groceries, whether it be retail items, you know that DoorDash always has your back. As a matter of fact, the energy that I have right now is because I had a great lunch that DoorDash delivered. So shout out to DoorDash, of course. Do want to let you guys know that you can also experience the greatness of DoorDash. And right now, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Download the DoorDash app, enter the code LOCKED23. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, don't forget, use the code LOCKED23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. All right, Corbin, we are going to cap off this Week 16 crossover Thursday. Locked on Titans, locked on Seahawks. Thank you for making us your first listen each and every day. Shout out to our everydayers out there. We're going to have game previews for you guys on Friday. Going to have instant coverage of the game after it completes on Sunday as well. So make sure you get subscribed. Stay subscribed to Locked on Titans and Locked on Seahawks. But Corbin, I'm going to let you go first here. I know you're looking at this game from a certain angle. What do you think will kind of decide this one one way or another? The Seahawks, it's really about the run game on both sides of the ball, as we just mm-hmm. talked about in the last segment. I, I think that is what ultimately sways this game. I am confident, even though this secondary has struggled at times this year for the Seahawks, I am confident if Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis is playing in this game, if Will Levis plays in this game, I'm confident in the Seahawks' ability to be able to maybe coax a turnover or two out of whoever is playing the quarterback position. This is a vulnerable offensive line that lost some talent in the offseason with Taylor Dewan being cut and then retiring, and then obviously Nate Davis leaving as well. I think that's ended up being a pretty significant loss (laughs) for them. A guy that I loved in the draft coming out of Charlotte several years back. But Mm -hmm. uh, this is an offense that has – really struggled aside from the shot plays they've gotten to DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to be trying to lean on Derrick Henry, who he still put up pretty good numbers this year, which amazes me because every time I watch the Titans, he's just getting (laughs) bulldozed in the backfield. He just can't get anything going. When they have allowed him to have running room, he has still been that dynamic all-pro caliber running back that we've seen for several years running. And so that's my one concern for this game. Can the Seahawks front seven hold up enough at the point of the attack when they get to Derrick Henry? Can they get him to the ground? Don't let him get a full head of steam. If he's able to run the football well, the Titans' chances of winning this game go up exponentially. On the other side of the coin, the Seahawks have a one-dimensional offense, and they're not able to run the football, which has been an issue 
for most of this season. They're coming off a very successful game in that regard. They were efficient with their ground attack. If they're not able to replicate that and the Titans are able to pin their ears back a little bit, it doesn't matter what injuries they've got. They can get after whoever your quarterback is. So to me, that is the deciding factor of this game. Turnovers, obviously, are a big deal every game. But every game, this yeah. is a game that, to me, boils down to for the Seahawks. you got to win in the trenches on both sides of the ball. You've got to enforce your will on offense. It's an offensive line that is playing had one of its best games last week yep. against the Eagles. Can you carry that over against a defensive line that's going to likely be without Jeffrey Simmons? They're missing other key pieces. Can you carry that over in this game and let Ken Walker the third do what he does, the magician yeah. that he is? I mean, I'm not saying he's Barry Sanders because there isn't another Barry Sanders. There never will be another. Not. But he has some Barry Sanders traits that you don't see very much, very often. In terms of his ability to create you know, something out of nothing, he showed it on Monday night several times as a runner and a receiver. Let him go to work. And then Zach Charbonnet, he could be your hammer between the tackles, a guy that's got underrated elusiveness to go with that power. Let that one-two punch get going downhill. I think if that happens, it's going to be a very long day for the Titans. If the Seahawks can't get that run game going, though, Tennessee, I think, has a chance to make this really interesting. That's how big of a sway this is to me. The run game on both sides is what is going to be the deciding factor here. Yeah, you're 100% right. And and honestly, what I come... Down to, I, I don't have anything to add in terms of what will sway the game. We've talked about it so much. It's the truth. Whichever team can run the ball, whichever team can stop the run, will win this game because the Titans don't have a chance on either side of the ball if they're not able to do that. And I think one of the things that really startled me watching the tape from the Texans game is the Texans, teams all play the Titans a certain way. Put eight in the box. Don't want Derrick Henry to get going. You're going to play tight coverage. The Texans said, no, no, we're we're not really that worried. We're going to put seven in the box. We're not going to stack boxes. 6% stack box rate against Derrick Henry in that game. It's the lowest that he's faced almost in his entire career. They sat in two high safety looks. Now they rolled some safeties in and out for different coverages, but we're not letting you get those, those deep explosive pass plays off play action. We're just not going to let that happen, and we're not worried enough about your offensive line to be scared of the run game. We're not stacking the box either. So we're, I've never seen a team in this Derrick Henry era of the Titans consistently have four-man fronts with two high looks and, and win. That's what the Titans are begging you for, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it against a JV Texans team. So I just don't think this Titans team has the talent in this matchup to stick with the Seahawks. If the Seahawks were missing eight of their best players, then maybe this game... Would would be really really close, but I just think Seattle is going to be able to run the ball down their throat, and I don't I don't think the Titans have the talent right now to be able to stop it. So uh, I think the Titans do need to win the turnover battle to win this one because I just don't think that if both teams play clean regular football, I just don't think the Titans can keep up. Quite honestly, yeah, I look at this game from a betting standpoint. The Seahawks are two right. and a half point favorites according to our friends at FanDuel. I look at this game, and the Titans only a few weeks ago beat the Dolphins. So you yes. cannot take this team lightly. Right. But at the same time, I agree with you. I look at this game from a talent perspective, and, and I think this is a matchup, especially without Jeffrey Simmons available most likely. Mm-hmm. I look at these teams, and I just feel like Seattle's got to make up. The, their strengths play really well into what the yes. Titans do not do well. Yes. And so this looks like one of those matchups. And, and you know how this goes, Tyler, week in, week out. 
you might match up surprisingly better with the Miami Dolphins than what you do, do with the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, and, do. and Miami had injuries at wide receiver. Seattle's going to have all yep. their dudes healthy in yep. this they game. Injuries on, on the, the offensive line. They've too. got Ken Walker the third. They've got Zach yep. Charbonnet. So I expect that Tennessee is going to be able to move the ball some because the Seahawks defense has been so inconsistent, especially early in right. games. They've given up more first possession touch even the times in 14 wow. games. But wow. then they, they seem to wake up and they play better. It's really weird. Right. They just don't seem like they're ready to go. But even with that, I just feel like two and a half points, uh, I'm taking that all day long, even on the yeah. road. I think that this yeah. Seahawks team, they're coming off this big win. They have that momentum. They know the playoffs are now very much in line for them. I just right. don't see them showing up and slipping up in this game. So yeah. I'll have my score prediction tomorrow. But I, I think two and a half points, honestly, that's lower than I thought it was going to be. I, I don't know necessarily this is a blowout game, but I think that the Seahawks do have major advantages on both sides of the ball from a talent perspective. And I think Pete Carroll's got this team's mojo back now. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you. And I think the big thing is the Seahawks are getting healthy up front. They have good chemistry up front. And with the Titans being so bad in the trenches and Seattle being so good in the trenches right now, I, I think that's tough. And I think you made a great point. The Seahawks maybe had a four-game losing streak. But three of those games were San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco. Three games in a row. So and the Rams are the Rams are potentially yes. a playoff team. So th- that 100%. loss, those two losses, don't look bad at this point. Yeah, no, I, I think that Seattle was better than maybe what their record says over the last six weeks or so. But with that being said, that is going to cap off this crossover Thursday for Week 16. Tennessee Titans hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Corbin, you do great work over there in the NFC. Another another tape guy like myself. So I always appreciate talking to you. Uh, thanks for making Locked on Titans, Locked on Seahawks your first listen every day. And be back with us on Friday and Sunday and every other day after that, of course, uh, for coverage of your team. So thank you so much for tuning in. Everybody stay safe out there.